Welcome to Rec Talks, a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of rec tech, fintech, and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of rec tech provider Know Your Customer. Today, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Janos Barbaris as my guest. Janos is an entrepreneur and expert with an established track record in the fintech industry and in academia. The 49 startups across his accelerator cohorts have raised over $500 million and are regularly listed as leading fintech companies globally. On a mission to raise market awareness on fintech and regtech, in the last four years, Janos trained over 100,000 individuals through online courses, books, and academic papers. Finally, Janos was also on the fintech board of both the World Economic Forum and BSFC. Janos, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being so kind to having me with you today. To start, I always like to ask how my guests have entered the magical world of RegTech. In your case, the question is particularly interesting as you have been one of the pioneers of the RegTech world. You have been one of the first experts to analyze the link that exists between the worlds of RegTech and FinTech and how the former powers the latter. Can you tell us a bit more about your personal journey in the field? I guess my personal journey on, on the RegTech side comes from a life story and it comes from an academic ambition. The life story is I'm a kid that graduated during the financial crisis, which is really a failure of regulation. I've seen the impact and the damage that poor financial regulation can have on people. And therefore, academically, it's something that I wanted to eventually change and especially change in the context of new finance, which was fintech. Fintech was new financial services and regulation didn't catch up to it. And I thought that simply, if finance can be reimagined, regulation should be also refought. And that's how academically, with a team with Douglas Honor, also Ross Buckley, we started reconceptualizing not just financial services industry, but also a regulatory framework and how technology could enable regulators to uh, achieve their goal more efficiently because they're resource constrained, but also how they can uphold their mandate, which is financial stability, consumer protection, market competition, et cetera. So that's how we, we went into it. We just thought that there's a better way of doing it and uh, we started writing on it. So it's, it's quite straightforward. And I don't think we, we imagined the impact that we would have at the time, but it's, it's beautiful to see that some of what we have written in academia is now using the industry both from the startup side, the corporate side, but also the regulatory side. I remember the, the early days when RegTech wasn't even a word. And I think uh, you help at that point to make it so, because before that, it was all financial technology, all fintech. And that changed over time to become the word for virtual banks and, and the active participants, while RegTech is the technology that powers everything behind there. Just a few weeks ago, CFTE, the Center for Finance, Technology and Entrepreneurship, released a new specialization course entirely dedicated to RegTech. I had the pleasure of contributing to it as a senior lecturer, while you and Dr. Sarner are the program directors. What gap in the market is the program trying to fill? Or to put it in another way, how would you rate the current understanding of RegTech and its potential within the industry? The potential is infinite. I think regulation, both in financial services and outside, and I'll talk about this point, is, is still slightly in the past, but regulators are very forward-looking. And if anything, 
anything from regulatory sandboxes to new standards and to the approach towards innovation has shown that regulators want to do things better. And today being technology neutral as a regulator is not acceptable. I guess the gap in the market that is trying to address, well, primarily financial services industry, they're the buyer of RegTech solution. They have the cost, pain point of it. I think, you know, a few years ago for every dollar spent on compliance, banks would to spend $3 in fines. So clearly it didn't work. So, you know, there was a better way than throwing people at it. This is not to say that RegTech will replace people. I think RegTech will enhance the role of compliance officer, but also front office people to now be able to embed and make product compliant from day one. Why would your sales team need to talk to the back office to make sure that something is compliant when down the line the bank has the data about the specific customer if it's a missell or sell across border on, of a financial product. So making the bank aware that the compliance and legal function can be enhanced is important. Step two is how can you enhance it? Should you build in-house or should you partner? And then step three is everyone should be compliant from day one and compliance should not be you know, a, a bad element. In a ferny way, when I was 26, 27, I was super excited about RegTech and I'm still excited about RegTech today. And it's weird like to be excited about regulation when you have so many other shiny things around you. Because I think it, it, it just removes a, a very boring pain point. Of course, the bigger opportunity Regulation technology, and that kind of was the insight that Douglas and Ross and myself brought in, is regulatory technology is not limited to financial services. A lot of industry needs compliance. A lot of industry need to automate and make that more proportionate to their end goals. And KYC, KYB is an example that applies to financial services, of course, but it also applies to e-commerce. It also applies to traveling. So that was really the insight that we brought enough of that is what brought up love the excitement on RegTech. Yes, financial services is almost the R&D powerhouse that's going to be financing that whole wave of innovation. But for the next 50 years, until any compliance process in the world cross-industry is not eaten by technology, RegTech will not have finished its mission. I agree certainly that we're only at the beginning. And I also agree on the point that technology does not replace staff. It frees stuff really to do their actual job. Counterintuitively, technology does not make the interaction for the end user, for the customer, more technical, more robotic. Since it does free up both sides from all those manual tasks, it can make the interaction between the financial institution or whoever is the RegTech user and the customer being onboarded, for example, more personal because now the staff can actually interact in their full human capacity. And thanks again for including me as a lecturer in the CFT course. The experience for preparing for this course was one of condensing a lot of what my team and I have learned over the past years into a coherent structure. And that turns out to be a really great way to consolidate your own learnings, I found. People say this, you know, you only know something that you can teach. And, uh, and it's a very powerful element, I think, being able to condense, being able to summarize, being able to remove the abstraction and make it practical. And uh, thanks also to you for taking part of the course, because I think that course has been designed by academics, but also by practitioners and by consumers. Consumers of the solution, practitioners in the field, not yourself, and then academics that have conceptualized it. It's rare to have such a condensed understanding of a topic delivered that clearly.
Just a few days ago, during a dedicated webinar by CFTE, you and I and other experts tried to identify the upcoming big trends in RegTech. We talked about the consolidation in the RegTech industry as a whole and the maturing of AI use. Obviously, the increased usage of AI was in regulation and RegTech. I tend to say that it was very practical seven years ago. It's very practical now. Until you have a lot of users and a lot of data, AI means nothing. Today, RegTech is being used more and more at scale, and therefore AI can start to kick in and create value. You don't need AI for a thousand users. You need AI for a million interactions, right? And I think we, we're passing that threshold of what we can see in terms of patterns, how we can improve that. So that's one reason why it was interesting. I think consolidation of the RegTech market, absolutely. But why? Big picture because it's an amazing sticky revenue. Once you're a RegTech provider, you know we're talking about inflation right now. You want to make money and make sure that you have sticky revenue above inflation that will keep on coming, invest in RegTech solution. Actually, as a matter of fact, even when there was no inflation and that you know return and yield were like almost negative, what keeps on growing? Compliance costs, whatever you wanted or not. So it's a great investment opportunity. I think the reason why it's consolidating is because people are realizing that it's a great revenue, you want to tap that revenue, you want to secure that revenue, and this is why you want to invest and buy some of those RegTech companies, which are now consolidating into one giant element. Great. This is actually a, a very special episode of RegTalks, as we release this on the World Mental Health Day. Founders Taboo, which uh, you have founded, is an organization that wants to bring to the fore the topic of mental health in relation to the startup world. Would you mind telling us a little more about the organization and its objectives? Absolutely. So Founders Taboo is a, is a marketplace for founder well-being and, and mental health. The marketplace is founded by a community, founded by a community of founders and change makers, whether they're academics, coaches, psychologists, service providers, that believe that better founders create a better world. Now, um, talking of world and talking about the fact that you're releasing this podcast, you know, on the World Mental Health Day. Well, thank you. Thank you for allowing us to have that platform at that moment. We know that some of your listeners are other founders. So um, if you're not a founder and you listen in, please reach out either on Founders Taboo or myself directly. And also, I think if you're a financial institution or anyone that has been working in any shape or form with startups, be mindful of the fact that the entrepreneurial journey is difficult. It's not that it's different from any other job, but I think there's a unique set of pressure that founders cannot talk about. And practically, there is a schizophrenia of how successful a founder needs to appear and how internally lost it can be. It's a journey that I had. I think you've seen me in 2016, and obviously you joined the program in 2018 in Hong Kong. Solo founder, excited, empowered, high on you know the growth and attraction of the company, but totally lost personally. And at one point, that divergence between my professional growth and my personal destruction was so high that it snapped and it snapped in, in, in lovely fashion. So there was more than a burnout. There was a hospitalization. There was a physical recovery, which thankfully has been short, two years, but mentally is still ongoing. And as I wanted to solve that pain point for myself, I said, let's scale that and let's create Founders Taboo. So today Founders Taboo is, is a great team. There's Annabelle that you got to meet. There's Eleni that you will meet. There's Danny that you will meet. I'm saying this because we're doing some Founders Retreat. We're growing. We open actually our platform a few weeks back. We have 500 founders on, on, on the waitlist. And what we want for founders is smoothen the emotional roller coaster that the entrepreneurial journey is. 
smoothen it either by providing your own content and resources or by creating third-party capabilities of it. So we're very thankful for everyone that has given us the time, all the coaches, VCs, academics. But, you know, we talk about why why to do this. Well, you know, it's we talk about the amazing market opportunity that RegTech is. As of my last count, there's 500 RegTech companies globally, maybe 1,000, let's say 1,000 for the sake of it. Out of those 1,000 companies, 70 will fail because of founder burnout. Now, we mentioned that RegTech will improve financial stability, it will improve consumer protection, it will improve user experience. But if those 70 companies fail for only the reason that those founders didn't take care of their mental health, maybe it will be a regulator that will miss a risk because that company that has been able to identify risk has closed because of founder burnout. So in a way, if regulation is about risk management, investing in your health as a founder is also a risk management of yourself. Mental health is a risk if not taken care of. Founders don't listen to risk because otherwise we wouldn't do what we're doing. So I guess for all the founders listening and for all the people, it's there's an opportunity for you to take care of yourself. If you take care of yourself in the same way that you'll do a 10x return on the investment, you'll do a 10x return on your personal growth. And as much as people talk about this, until you're a series B and C company, you're founder of it. And if you, as a founder, you collapse, the company collapses. It doesn't matter how much processes you put in place. Very, very true. Apart from it being absolutely exciting and a very privileged experience, and apart from the sheer workload that goes without saying, founding a startup is at times like coupling your own internal mental world to the ups and downs of your business. And by definition, startups are extremely volatile constructs. So these wild swings are so common in the early phase. And they all focus and impact most on the founder CEO. And so that can be a lonely position. And it's certainly not a great starting point for relaxed mental well-being. Based on your experience, what are some advice that you could share with both founders and team members of startups when it comes to mental well-being? I think, first of all, you're talking of loneliness. As, as a founder. And I think it's both a, it's both a consequence of entrepreneurship, but it's also the reason of success. Let me maybe talk about first the, the reason of success, because in, in venture capital, you cannot make money or you cannot make a disproportionate amount of money if everyone is doing what you do. So by definition, you need to be lonely in your approach of the market in order to generate value. And that's not just in venture capital, it's financial market you know, market efficiency, right? The moment information is public, that information has lost value. So what does venture capital do? Venture capital invests and trades into private information. And private information in the context of startup, it's unique ideas that goes counter market and approach a problem in a unique way. And because of the uniqueness, you're by yourself. Or you have 10 people in the world doing it. But the point is that uniqueness is the reason why you're so valuable. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't get invested in. So let's make the fact that loneliness is expected for high potential founders as a starting point. Now, given that this is the case, what can you do from there? Well, first, there is different stages. There is awareness. 
there is access and then there is action. So awareness is knowing what you don't know. 50% of the people listening will go, yes, I want to be better and I want to improve my mental health. And 50% will go, I don't understand what's happening. No, I'm very happy. But everyone at one point will have it. The second one is access. So what do you access? First, access other founders. Because whilst you are unique in your loneliness, it's shared across founder and that's a universal feeling. Your individual situation is unique, but your status as a founder is universal across. And so just talk. And you'd be surprised to, to see how many founders connect with you on this. Therefore, accessing a community of founder, I think, is very valuable. But I think even better is acting. And acting by getting a coach, getting a psychologist, or you know, doing the gym and allowing it to yourself. But act on it because it's very hard to be able to effectively recover once you pass the line of no return. I'll be very practical for the people listening in. My FinTech Supercharger journey or career or startup, whatever you want to call it, was uh, three years and a half, four years. Amazing, right? I crashed and it's been six years after seven years and I'm still not recovered. If you do something for three years, but for every year you invest in the company, it takes you two years to invest in yourself to recover, forget it, right? You would never do that trade. You would never do that deal. You would never do that investment. So don't do it. Do it proactively. I found connecting with other founders, uh, that helps a lot already. Even in 2018, I had um, a regular dinner sequence set up with other founders, and uh, that helped a lot in the early days. We, we all went through two and a half years of COVID and isolation there. And uh, these, these things are also not quite the same online, but um, thankfully we're meeting again now. The world is going to be more and more unstable. It doesn't mean that the world is going to be worse, but there's going to be more instability. Instability means uncertainty, uncertainty means decision-making difficulties. Decision-making difficulty means mental, mental wellness and focus. And so for everyone out there, whether you're a founder or not, do that favor to yourself and invest in you um, because you all need it. And if there's one constant, is making an investment in you will make you more resilient. And resilience is perhaps the key word when people say, what do you think of entrepreneurship? That's something that won't change. It'll be like Jeff Bezos, you know, say, I don't know what the future is, but people want always cheaper products. I don't know what the future is, but resilience is needed, especially when you're in the business of dealing with uncertainty, which is entrepreneurship. I absolutely agree. Entrepreneurship is so much uncertainty in itself. I think founders are some of the best prepared people for a more uncertain world. In any case, uh, Janos, thanks so much for creating this new organization, helping founders. I think this is something really important for society at large because society needs those founders, needs the people to go out and um, go after new ideas and bring new products to the market. And without the founders or with, with struggling founders, that is just so much harder. It doesn't matter how we're looking at it. The current debt problem that we have in front of us needs to be swallowed by innovation. Therefore, entrepreneurship needs to be there. Climate change and then world-changing topics also need to be solved by entrepreneurial spirit. The reason why I'm saying this is if you accept that the starting point is that the world needs more innovation to keep on moving forward, we need to make sure that there is as many minds that can actually go and tackle those big problems. And 
the less minds are able to properly focus on this, the worse off we will be as a society. And therefore, it's important that everyone that wants to think about it has the right support around them to be peaceful, at ease, and don't have hardship or don't have the maddening experience of entrepreneurship. All right, Janos, um, we have one last question, one that I ask all my guests, and that is, if tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global regulator, what would be the first thing you would do and why? So, you know what, I'll take that challenge and I can make it rec tech and mental health. So here goes nothing. So I found us, we, we do genuinely believe that founders' mental health should be embedded in company governance. If it's not, it will destroy founders, shareholder value, teams, and uh, users. For example, Adam Newman from WeWork, I cannot presuppose that he had any mental health condition, but clearly there was a maddening moment in his journey that has destroyed 40 billion of shareholder value overnight. Travis, the founder of Uber, I cannot presuppose he had a condition, but he also has destroyed billions of shareholder value. Elon Musk, that has disclosed that he has mental health issues, has in his bursts of wonderfulness and craziness destroyed market integrity, but also harmed consumer on going on rants around certain cryptocurrency, but also making a proposed block purchase of Twitter. So that impulsivity that made him who he is has also affected a lot of people. I guess what I'm trying to get at is reporting to your board that you actually do something about your wellness should be a standard, just like ESG is a standard. So you don't need to say what you have because that's private, but you should be telling to your board what you're doing to take care of yourself. And I think a board not asking this from a founder should be responsible, if not even liable, for any loss a founder would generate that can be directly linked to the fact that they didn't take care of their mental health. It's inacceptable that venture capitalists and investors don't ask to a founder, how is your personal runway, how is your personal family situation to build your company? It's reckless. And whilst entrepreneurs are risk takers, they're not reckless. I think from an investment standard and from a regulatory obligation, that would be a beautiful regulatory obligation where rec tech would meet founders' mental health. So here's my uh, attempt of an articulation between bridging, you know, rec talk and, and founders' tables. So there you go. That's uh, excellent, Janos. I love that. Thank you so much for this. This was one of the very, very special episodes. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning Rec Tech provider Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.